Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing. You'll be seeing her in Andrew Lou Weber's new Broadway show, Bad Cinderella, but before that, she was Demeter in the 2016 Broadway revival of Cats. So welcome, Robin Masala. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. I always enjoy talking to Demeter because it's, uh, <laughs> I find Demeter's, I find the Demeter character fascinating in itself just because it's a very dark story. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, you know, it's just like the one universal truth is her background. Mm-hmm. And that to me is fascinating in itself. So we'll get there. But before we talk Great. about Demeter, I want to hear your cat's history. So walk me oh, through, gosh. what was the first time you saw it? When was the first introduction to it? You know, how familiar were you with it before 2016? Yeah. So I saw Cats for the first time in London, actually, when I was about seven or eight years old. And I um, was a dancer, took dance class since I was, you know, two years old, waving a ribbon around the room. Um, And I just fell in love with it. And I can't remember if I, at that point, was familiar with the music and the show, but that was the first time I had seen it. And I remember that the cats came down into the audience and I happened to be sitting on the aisle and I remember exactly what shirt I was wearing. And one of the cats came up to me and kind of nuzzled their nose up against me. And I remember she, her makeup left like a little pink stain on the shoulder. And I just, I kept that shirt forever. (laughs) And I thought, Oh my gosh, the cat came up to me. And I just, I, I felt like I, I was, you know, touched by by that particular cat. And then um, I would was one of those little girls that danced around the living room to, I'm dating myself here, the record of cats. And my mom would always yell at me not to jump because it would make the record skip. And um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with it at such an early age. And because I grew up dancing, just loved it. And then of course was familiar with the VHS and watched that to no end. Uh, and then years and years later, found myself in this profession and, um, auditioned for the, for the revival, but 
Yeah, the revival was the first time that I was ever in it. I love that. So it's what's fascinating about that is I it's Green Eyes, which is the what you're talking about when they're in the crowd, is uh-huh. such a polarizing piece for me because mm-hmm. I was not on the aisle and I was not thrilled and looking forward to having them jump out and scare me. I was not prepared for it. They don't do it anymore, obviously, with mm-hmm. COVID reasons now. Mm-hmm. Did you have what was your experience like doing Green Eyes? You know, did you have more people that were like you that were excited to have them? You kind of nuzzle up to them, or did you have more people like? I think somebody in your cast got punched uh, at least once. <laughs> oh um, gosh, I don't think I heard about scaring that. a child. I I loved it. I I love breaking that fourth wall in a show, and it's always interesting because you know you're in the moment and you're acting, and there's a moment during the naming of cats where all the cats would come into the audience, and that's where we would really a be able to see their faces and then be able to see our faces, and we're singing the whole time, so it's just amazing going through this process of you're acting and you're singing, but you're also very aware of how they're reacting. And some people loved it and are giggling. And some people you could see just kind of sit back in their seat and don't want you to come any further. Uh, Yeah. It was just so interesting to see different people's reactions. I don't ever think I saw a child cry, but I'm sure it happened because yeah, it's scary. Did you, did you lean in more when you saw somebody kind of leaning back? Was that like a, Oh like, yeah. Someone who's not enjoying this. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm going to get in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're coming to that. see the show. They don't know what to expect, but it's part of it. So it gives you that it's much the, more reason to just lean into too, it though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that was what threw me off as I was not, I didn't know what I was walking into to begin with. Um, and uh-huh. I had gotten the tickets from a friend for press and for not like I didn't pay for them. And I was, it was matinee. Uh-huh. I hadn't lived in the city very long and I walked in and, you know, it's, it's a really, what I loved is that the, my friend works in set design. It's an overwhelming and amazing set design. So I was like fascinated oh, yeah. by this and all of a sudden the lights go down and I'm thinking, oh, cool. Like facing stage, what am I going to see? And then all of a sudden there's one over my shoulder, you know, from there's behind, like, yeah, one right behind <laughs> you. And I'm like, well, what is happening? I was just not prepared for that. And as someone who yeah. does not like to be uh, part of the show, I like to be a spectator. It was, um, it was not my favorite part of the show, but it is now a fun one to think about. Um, and I wish they could do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was cool too. Cause in the revival too, we, uh, the mezzanine level was also accessible. So, most of the time that kind of stuff happens in the orchestra because you can come from the back of the house and you have the aisles. But I think that extra shock value of, oh, gosh, now they're up in the mezzanine and roaming all about up there as well. It was a was a shock value. Yeah. So the fun part about that is the second time I saw it, I was sitting in the mezzanine and I made a point to be like, we're not sitting on the aisle like I'm not sitting on the aisle. And we were in the last row of that section. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, great, we're safe. And I had my like back against the wall. And then sure enough. Somebody, I don't know. I wish I knew who it was. Like uh-huh. jumped over and was like above my head, and I'm like, oh, of I fixed this seat to be out of the the way, and here I am getting <laughs> just completely shocked by a cat. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun part. So let's talk about the Demeter and the backstory and what you're told. I do like in 2016, you're doing new choreography, you're doing some new takes mm-hmm. on the show, but it's still like a lot of the, a lot of the main people are still involved and you're getting kind of a lot of the history still brought to you. So mm-hmm. do you remember your three words? And like, I'd love to hear what was the, what were you told to formulate your Demeter? Oh gosh, my situation was slightly different because I was coming in as an injury replacement. So I didn't get as much 
of the backstory and the extra time that everyone took in the original cast to, you know, ruminate about the character and all of that. I definitely had some of that, but because I was uh, an injury replacement, it was, you know, how fast can you learn the show and get in as soon as possible? Um, But there were definitely a a few words and, and things that were with me, you know, to me, is very skittish. She has a history with McCavity and not a happy one, although something deep inside her kind of likes it. And, um, and so, and she's intense and has this intense bond with, I always think of her sister, Bombelli Arena. Um, so definitely a lot of the feline movement is is influenced by that um i always had neck issues because we're always as her you know it's it's kind of this like back hair on the back of the spine always um yeah i'm trying to think of what else she's you know sensual and sexual and wants to break free and and be as free as she can but is sheltered and 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 afraid at times which i think was the most fun playing that character because there were so many different levels of mm-hmm. ways of being, you know, free and open and, and sexy, but then also scared and a little bit more timid and, and shy. Yeah. I want to go back to like, so one thing you said that I, I think is maybe, I don't know if I'd say it was dramatically different, but it was a little different from what I've heard. So the one thing that always fascinates me about cats is I've recorded hundreds of, you know, over a hundred episodes yeah. now is that a universal truth is that Demeter was sexually abused by McCavity. And like, yeah. that's like one fact that there's like, there's no disputing that. You can have arguments about a lot of other of the head cannons, but Demeter was abused. And that one is yeah. confirmed. Yeah. But I had always heard that there's a version of like Demeter and Bombay Arena are sisters or best friends or whatever. I, I like that you said sisters, mm-hmm. but it was that Demeter was, had the similar relationship and Bombay Arena had the similar relationship, but didn't, but liked it. And so Demeter didn't mm. like it and was abused. She was liked it and abused, but you're kind of saying deep down inside, that maybe there was a part of you that didn't, not the abuse, but like that you, the yeah. relationship with McCavity was maybe more positive than like, you kind of liked it in some capacity. I'm sure every you know actor takes it a different way, but at the end of the day, when you're singing McCavity, it's a sexy, sensual song. And yeah. to, to, to play it negatively the entire time is impossible. So there is, there is, you know, while she's constantly scared that he's there, whether it's that maybe there was just some, you know, fucked up thing in her mind that, that draws her to McCavity while also knowing that he was horrible to her and bad for her. Um, you know, not dissimilar from, Phantom of the Opera, another Andrew Lloyd Webber show where, you know, you have this character who Christine is afraid of, but also drawn to in ways. And and I think, I don't know, that's what always made it interesting for me, because, yes, she was sexually abused by him or she was attacked by him and she's scared of him. But there's also something deep down that she's drawn to. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I always thought of it. Yeah. I appreciate the part about the song because I, the song is one that like, as I listened to the album more and I got to know, like when I first saw it, it was Mungo Jerry and Ripple Teaser and that was it. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. And obviously memory, but I was like, that's all I was stuck in my head. And then as yeah. I watched it more, I'm like, the Cavity song is like really 
really catchy and really mm-hmm. it's like it's very charged and like sexual and yeah and so I, it, I hadn't thought about that that like even though there is that scared moment you can't perform that number without having some of that energy of course part of it yeah of course absolutely and for me personally so it was I, the most fun of, of the numbers to do yeah so you were, uh, I know that you were a Demeter cover or uh, injury uh, replacement, and then you also yes. had Swing, and I think you went on yes. as Demeter, Cassandra, and Bombay Arena. Yes. Um, and then I sang in the pit every night. pit every night. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is a whole other fascinating piece of Cats, that it's such an intense and difficult show to sing and dance that you need a pit. Um, and people singing is crazy to me in itself. So my question to you is, uh, being able to kind of go on as Demeter and Bombay Arena, how was that transitioning to doing the same number side by side, different parts, and then also kind of having the different energy of having the skittish versus like the very confident and want to own the relationship? Like, what was that like going back and forth between those two characters? Oh, it was so fun. It's always fun when, as a performer, we get to do multiple things and play with it. Um, you know, Bombay Arena knows who she is and is confident and confident in her sexuality and like I said Demeter is a little more timid and, and skittish but, but it was so fun it gets a little confusing sometimes because you know you're from a performing point of view you're like switching lines constantly and um there was definitely a show or two where I was supposed to sing as one character but in that split second thought I was the other and forgot and had to jump in um but in terms of playing both of those sides, yeah, I guess it really, for me, it was always this, that sensual sexual side that Demeter had just times a hundred. Mm-hmm. What other relationships when you were Demeter did you play into? Like there's the obvious McCavity and there's the obvious Bombay Arena, mm-hmm. but what other different relationships did you have to play off of? And what other like theories did you come up with, with, the different characters to kind of tell the backstory of your relationship with them. Yeah. Monkey strap was always somewhat of a protector for Demeter. Mm-hmm. Um, both storyline and just, there were a lot of moments that we had together on the stage that felt somewhat like he was an older, like a big brother protecting. Um, definitely Bombelli arena. Um, I always <clears throat> in my brain kind of took the white cat as a friend, but like a strained relationship friend, you know, you start to make up stories in your head, whether you're told them or not, depending on how the show goes and what the choreography is like and who you interact with. And, you know, you start to make up kind of connections and as an actor. And so for me, that's that's what I want to hear. Tell the stories. That wasn't wasn't necessarily, you know, I never, I never got like crazy far deep into it, but I always felt like the white cat and Demeter had this friendship that was somewhat strained because we didn't spend a lot of time with each other, but I always felt like there was this connection. So I always felt like I was looking out for her when she wasn't looking and maybe she was looking out for me when I wasn't looking. Uh, That's, you know, something that I made up. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I always thought Tugger and Demeter had had a thing. Um, I always kind of thought he was her first after the bad stuff happened with McCavity that she kind of took ownership in a sexual, sensual way with him. Um, I think he slept with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, those are kind of the big ones. I'm trying to think if there are any others. I want to go back to a couple of them. So, because I think yeah. this is, this to me is what's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I like, uh, let's start with the white cat. Cause I do think yeah. that that's one where I don't, there's not a lot of, at least to my memory, documented relationship between you and Victoria. So I, I do think yeah. it's kind of cool to have like, we got each other's back version. Did you look at it or feel maybe like as a protector of, I don't want you as kind of the new pure cat to go down my path and have that macavity relationship? Or was it much more of like a, we're both looking out for each other? Um, I think probably both. I think I always kind of thought, oh, they, they've had a friendship and she knows what happened to Demeter. And I'm sure there was an element of protection because she's, you know, a kitten and very open in terms of her kittenness. And I do think there was probably a part that I thought, yeah, Demeter has to kind of protect her. But I always, I don't know why, but I always kept had this thing of like, we were close once, but we're not anymore kind of strained relationships. So it was always from afar, as opposed to where Bomb and Demeter were clearly, you know, hanging out every day and going around the same parts of the, of the junkyard. Um, I always made it up that, that Victoria and Demeter had this kind of strained relationship, but Demeter was still kind of looking out for her with, for her from afar. Hmm. Okay. I like that. I I never really thought about the two. Those are two relationships. I don't think I've thought about like at all. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear. Uh, what about, I, I want to go back to Muckishap because I know there is some thought that Demeter and Muckishap are actually together. And then I heard mm-hmm. he's a big brother. So is it, was it more of a brother sister relationship or was it much more of a, I mean, I know you talked about Tugger being the first yeah. sexual relationship post, but was Muckishap like a want to be with Demeter partnership, but is not in his friend zone, big brother type of thing? For me, for me, it was always, yeah, for me, it was always a big brother type of thing maybe that's because i was friends with good friends with the um with the actor that played it and i always kind of thought of him as more of a brotherly relationship than a sexual relationship um i'm sure for people who really you know got to know even jilly the original choreographer's idea of the backstory i'm sure maybe there were moments where Monk and Demeter were together. But for me, I, it always felt like a protective big brother kind of thing. Um, there were a lot of moments in the show where he would, you know, choreographically wise, like do something that to me just felt much more protector, brotherly. He knew, he knows the backstory. He knows what happened. He's always kind of the one when, you know, we're scared that McCavity's there. That's being the person on guard in my mind to protect the people that have negatively been affected by McCavity. Mm-hmm. I, the thing that I, this is where this always gets so very strange for me because there is no cat family tree and I've tried to put it together and there is no definitive answer. I've asked, um, I've asked people that know and there is no definitive, definitive answer. But hearing yeah. you say that Monk is brother and then hearing you say that Tugger is love interest, but then it's pretty clear and McCavity was love interest, but I think it's like pretty universally accepted that Monk, McCavity and Tugger are three brothers and sons of old Deuteronomy. So that gets very strange when you start looking sure. at it on that angle. And I'm sure. that's why they're just cats and not people. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's one of those shows where like, it, depending on who you talk to and which iteration, some people, I know a lot of people that did the original show in some version had a plethora of backstory and it was very definitive. And I think for the revival, although I, like I said, I wasn't there from day one when they were in rehearsals. It was a little bit looser, I think, for the cast to kind of make their own backstories. Because um, at the end of the day, they're cats singing about cat things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think the backstory was more for for the actor to, um, you know, we, we always joke like people say cats is about nothing unless you're a part of the cast and you know the backstory that was told to you by the previous people before, you know, it's kind of like this, which is why you're doing this podcast. It's kind of this yeah. hidden secret relationship, but it's like telephone, like through the years, it changes for reasons, you know, for new people joining or different iterations of the show being done. And yeah. I, it's, it's so, it's, that's so spot on because I, I've been joking, you know, when I started this, it was a, it was a joke, but then all of a sudden now I feel like I'm documenting history of like all the various productions. And I ask the same type of questions to everybody because I get so many vastly different answers and it sure. is a game of telephone and there is not a consistent, I've talked to people who have produced it. I've talked to people who have been in various productions. I've talked to people who like remember everything about it and people who remember very little about the, those things. I talked to somebody yeah. recently on a Royal Caribbean cruise who got a single paragraph that was like eight sentences and that was it. And it's because, you know, it's not spoken. It's not, there's not the, the dialogue that's there to kind of answer those questions. So it's the emotion and feeling and the part that you need as an actor. And if it's not given to you, you need to create to be able to do this. Exactly. So many, you know, eight times a week. And so that's what's made this really fun. And it's what's fun too, because when you start looking at the absurdity of those backstories, yeah. it is crazy to start putting those together because it's just a very, like the Jellicles are, are not, it's not normal as cats, you know, they're, it's not yeah. a normal world. And it's really funny to think about that, which is why I'm still here doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, what about relationship with Grizabella? Cause I think that's the other one that's like, she comes back. I have always wondered, was Grizabella potentially a mom that abandoned any of these kittens and cats? And it's mm. like, is it is that a scenario you ever thought of or played? I know I didn't think about as much. It's definitely a theory for me for Victoria. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't thought about as much for Bob and Demeter of whether it's like this was their friend that went off or this was potentially their, mo their mom that abandoned them. Yeah, I it's interesting as Demeter, you have this relationship. I always felt like Demeter had this relationship with Grizz where she had this really strong hate and rage for her and didn't exactly know why, but then also was one of the few that felt bad and in some ways understood her. So I never really put a label on it, whether she was a mother that had abandoned or um, I always also somewhere in my mind kind of felt like Grizz, there was a, like Grizabella and McCavity connection that interested, but also spooked but also Demeter, given what she went through. Um, like I said, I never got super specific with that, but I definitely know that there was an intense dislike, but then on the flip side, also this slight weird understanding and, and pity and for her. Yeah. It's, it's like almost like Demeter as a whole, like she's, she's like one eight, she's flip-flopping 180, you know, she's right down the middle, 
like scared and shy, but also very sexual and hates that character or cat, but also feels bad for them. You know, it's, I feel like she's just a, not bipolar, but just a little all over the place with her emotions. It's like one extreme or the other. Yeah. There's a little bit of Demeter potentially following Grizz's footsteps. Like, because if you do take the McCavity, I've always thought that when Grizz left, she went to be part Mm -hmm. of McCavity's crime game. Like she was, he, he brought her out. He ruined the family and relationship. She did a bunch of terrible things for him away from the the group and then now she's coming back for her forgiveness and i think Mm -hmm. that there's some potential that demeter could take that same path if she's not careful and that's right she has at least a bomb ballerina to try to protect her like she's got this person that's keeping her from going that far down so that's where it becomes to me an interesting question of like is it mother daughter following in mom's footsteps or is it this is just a role model that I don't want to follow that I used to look up to, but now could mm-hmm. very well become me. Yeah, absolutely. Both of, both of those things, I think, work for the for the intent of how she feels towards her. I love it. Yeah. I, I, it's fun because, like, I've definitely clearly now, like, me and the fans have spent more time thinking about this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is I'm what so I think. And then you still like, go on I want you to tell me what you think. <laughs> like with all the all the amazing things that you've heard, because I'm sure you've heard when so we, many of the episodes. Yeah, when we when we when we stop recording, I'll give you a couple of the things I've made up yeah. by that I've said many times on here. Um, that I'm I, my joke has been, and and I'm I'm uh, my goal one day is to do it, and I, I don't know if I'm, I'm I make I might get the opportunity. My goal is to just go tell the tour or current cast or some version of like here's what I think you should think of that won't change uh-huh. the show. Cause like none of this is stuff that's going to dramatically change the show, but like, right. I want to go and say, Hey, Victoria, Grizz is your mom tonight. When she comes <laughs> out, I want you to just look at her as if that's your mom. And that's the only <laughs> difference. This rest of the stuff is going to change, but I have like yeah. one for every cat that I want to be like, here's what I think you can go do tonight. And I want to hear if, they, if it lands or if it doesn't land. Because yeah. there is so many versions of this that could be oh, there. And like you could go on and say she's mom tonight. She's not mom tomorrow. Monk is brother right. today. Monk is love interest tomorrow. Like there's just yeah. so, so many opportunities to kind of tinker with it that does not change the plot, does not change the story, does not change the dancing and singing, but changes mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of the energy that night. And I, mm-hmm. I would assume helps as an actor doing it eight times a week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes it fun and fresh, but also keeps it in the confines of the show. Yeah. Yeah, and the only people I'll notice are the super fans because there are oh, a group of, of fans that will that will recognize that. And the rest of the group is going to be like me my first time, which is just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know yeah. what, what I'm experiencing. Yeah. It, it, here, here, what I, I couldn't have named half the cats for you, let alone the relationship <laughs> with each other on stage. Right, right. Oh, no, the super fans are real. I mean, we... I'm sure you've had lots of encounters with them, but we had a group of people who I think came to every show or at least three a week, sometimes in costume and makeup and got got to know people in the cast, got to come backstage sometimes. Um, yeah, which, they, they called themselves yeah. the junkyard. Um, yeah. And I've, I've yeah. interviewed one from the junkyard uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and they saw the show 88 times. Wow. I did the math and that's 15% of the performances that went on <laughs> on the revival. And so, yeah, yeah they're, I mean, yeah. but the thing is they're super fans and they're so fun for me to talk to because 
they have an opinion on what the definitive answer to these things are. Whether the Absolutely. cast or the people agree, they have yeah. their version. And so it's my favorite question to always ask them is, where am I wrong? Like, what am I getting wrong? Because I don't mm-hmm. know. I just am kind of saying, here's what I'm seeing. Or I've heard enough variations of this that I think yeah. this could happen. Yeah. And they are passionate and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's super fun. <laughs> we'll be back for more of this cat's catastrophe after a short break. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I want to pivot because you are going to be uh, going into Bad Cinderella, Andrew Weber's new show on Broadway here. Yes. And by the time that this is releases, I hope we'll hopefully be in previews in there, but I know you're in rehearsals right now. So yeah. what, you know, how is, what has one that experience been being in another Andrew Weber show? And then two, what have like, what can someone expect to come see it? Especially this is a lot of cast fans, but I think this is also a lot of just theater and Andrew Ed Weber fans. What sure. is the show going to bring to the Broadway stage? Yeah, this is my third Andrew Lloyd Webber show now. Um, I did the national tour of Evita and Cats on Broadway and now Bad Cinderella. And I think what he's amazing at, I mean, he's amazing at I mean, a lot of things, but is just having big sweeping scores. And the music just goes on and on and just is big and lush. And this is one of those musicals. A little more edgy, a little more modern, um, but the music is just beautiful. And I think in terms of what I've seen so far, the sets are big and colorful and bright. The costumes are, again, colorful and big and bright. It's just going to be kind of like a bang of a show. Um, very different from what they did in London because they did the show in London and I think they learned a lot and it was a great production for them, but they've made some changes both musically, visually, um, and artistically. And I think it's just going to be, it's a spin on the fairy tale of Cinderella. So it's not the same Cinderella as the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella story. She's an outcast and a bit edgier and doesn't really care until she does. Um, there's some fun storyline things that I can't really give away, but are definitely different and a little shocking in moments. So you got to come see the show to find out. Um, and yeah, I just think it's, it's a mixture of like a good old fashioned musical, but mixed with kind of a modern edgy feel. Those are the two words that I kind of always come back to because it's, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a little different. 
than what you think it is. Yeah. I, um, it's, I, I was going to ask you about the, cause I know that there was the, the West end version, but I know this is different. Mm -hmm. It seems like this is, a, you know, some parts the same, but this is a, a, a new version of that. Cause there was a lot mm -hmm. of changes to this. Um, and then it's the same thing. It's like it's Cinderella, which most people are, I would hope most people are going to know that story, but it's not mm -hmm. what you're going to see. It's a, it's a different play using the characters and the source material as, uh, a, I would say an anchor, but not like exactly what the, you know, you're just not going to see a version of it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a completely it's a reinvented version of Cinderella. You know, there's still the Cinderella who's a bit of an outcast and doesn't get accepted. And um, in the original production, you know, Prince Charming is the prince that she eventually, you know, falls in love with. And that's shifted a little bit. There's another prince, Prince Sebastian, who's Prince Charming's brother, who we find out is also a bit of an outcast and doesn't really like his position and want to be in his position. Um, and how that relationship, that relationship kind of unfolds and comes together. And um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's going to still have that same fairy tale, you know, fable feeling to it, but in a different way. Um, but, and also with, you know, beautiful score by Andrew Lloyd Webber because he just writes beautiful music. <laughs> yeah. I am very excited to see it. I know we will link and anybody in New York should go see it and come see it. I, I have been, uh, for, it's been weeks now and, you know, we're recording this long before the, the show's open. I've seen the, the, the signage is up on the theater and it's like, I've walked yeah. a bunch of times. So it's, it's, uh, it's out there. And I think people are eager to see previews and, um, everything for it to open here, uh, when it does. Yeah. Yeah. They're, the, our press team is amazing and they're, you know, they're already doing, interviews with the cast and photos, press photos. And we had our little housewives, um, press, not release, but, you know, press social media videos that are going around to just kind of give a sense of a little bit of the show. Yeah. Even the, uh, announcement kind of made a bang on social media because of the, you know, the, the way they teased it, I'm not uh, a TikTok influencer, so I think it's a personal invite. Um, but I know a lot of the theater influencers got the invites and then they, you know, the whole kind of like introduction, it was, it was very well conceived and definitely created yeah. buzz, which is, which has made it fun. And I think it's, I, I like any time I hear edgy and modern, like, I think that mm -hmm. that's a fun way to take something, especially Disney, you know, something that's, mm -hmm. that's been done and is a known story to take a different like look on it. And then to your point, adding Android Weber's uh, talent <laughs> to add mm -hmm. to it will make it so fun. Absolutely. I think it's a fine line when you're reinventing a story that everybody knows so well that, you know, the option is to either do a complete 180 and make it completely different, um, which is not exactly what's happening in this version but it's an it's enough of the same and enough different where i feel like people who really love the pure story of cinderella will be interested and understand it and people who are kind of sick and tired of that same old cinderella fairy tale story are going to have some new elements to get them excited and into it that's fun well, yeah. it is, uh, by the time this releases, it'll either be opened or opening soon. Um, so I encourage anybody again, who's in New York or anybody who has the, the means and the ability to go see Bad Cinderella. We'll link everything to, um, so you can get tickets. Uh, 
I want to shift to some rapid fire, some ending things so we can talk about the most important question on this podcast, which is the joke choice. But before we get there, um, if you could go on for one cat for any night, forget male, female, vocal range, dance, whatever, just you could go on for one track one night. Who would you want to go on as? Oh, Tugger. Tugger. Tugger, Tugger, absolutely. Just the freedom to do whatever the hell you want to do on stage within the confines of what was given. But I mean, there were moments where Tyler Haynes, who was our amazing tugger, um, I would just look over and he'd be like licking his leg up on the top of the oven, you know, because he just doesn't give a shit. He's like, not Tyler, but the character, like that character just doesn't give a shit. He thinks he's hot as shit and like he can just do whatever the hell he wants and gets like a little bit of freedom of that, um, which I thought would just be so fun to do. It's the one character that really has a, like a lot of creative license, more so than I think most of the rest of the cats where you have like your, you know, you have your swim lanes, I'll call it, that you can stay within. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Tyler, I've talked to Tyler about this he can kind of just go do whatever he wants. Like when he took the, he went to the crowd and he, you know, yeah. there's like oh, yeah. comments on YouTube, he like sat in people's laps and he like ate the popcorn yep. and like whatever. Yep. He was like, he could do whatever he wanted. So I, I love that answer. It's everything that of my social media and everything, it's all named Rum Tum Tugger. Everything is that. Yeah. So I, I agree. That would be my answer. Yes. Um, who are your favorite <laughs> and least favorite cats? Not characters, not, they're not uh, characters, not actors. Always clarify that. My favorite and least favorite. I mean, I'm partial. I'm obviously partial to Demeter and Bomb because I just love their characters. Um, uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, I think, are just kind of annoying. <laughs> and I would never want to play them. <laughs> Both that, just because they're. Demeter answer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were kind of like the annoying kittens. Yeah, that's the song that got stuck in my head the most. Yeah, yeah. To sing, to listen to, or just in general? All of the above, just from the show. Oh, gosh. I mean, I love McCavity because I love singing it. But I love, um, we call it Little Memory. It's the top of Act 2 where all the cats sing a little bit of, of memory. And from a personal point of view, we're all kind of just, you know, the staging is that we're all kind of later on the stage and close to the audience. And we're just singing out to the audience. And it's kind of the only one, the one time in the show where, of course, you're performing because you're on a stage and you're performing. But it was like the smallest amount of performing. And for me as an actor to just look out into the audience and be able to look at people's faces. And I always kind of pictured myself as a little girl sitting in the audience watching myself on stage or watching someone on stage. I always, I love in shows when you have those kind of quiet moments of just looking out into the audience and having that connection or just being able to have a moment of like gratitude. For me, that was always a really special moment in the show and a special song to sing. And you get to sing a little bit of memory, (laughs) which, you know, who doesn't want to sing memory? Yeah, that's it's kind of interesting to hear that because there's a show where there's so much going on on stage at all times to have kind of that quieter moment. That's yeah. not the intense like piece of Chris Valcon back on stage, you know, type of thing yeah. is. Yeah, super interesting. I, I love hearing that. Yeah. Um, my last rapid fire question before the more, most important one. If mm-hmm. you could cast one of the cats in Bad Cinderella, who would fit best in the story? Oh, that's a good one. I could cast one of the cats in Bad Cinderella. Okay, I'm going to think about this for a second. Hmm. It would have to be Bomb. 
It would have to be Bombay Arena because uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the town of Belleville, where Bad Cinderella takes place, is everything is perfect, and anyone who's different like does not belong. And we're very sure about that. Very sure about and that. we're very confident. And we're very put together and and sexy and beautiful. And so to me, that just kind of encompasses what Bomb is. She's just kind of a confident, strong, sexy cat. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when you said you know, your explanation of it earlier was modern, edgy, and confident, yeah, like confident, and and a, yeah, you know, a little bit more. Like I immediately thought, oh, that's Cinderella's bomb ballerina. Like it's just yeah, it's exactly like that. So yeah. I, I agree, and I will uh, I will revisit this with you after I get to see the show, and I will we will yeah yeah everybody with you. Um, okay, the <laughs> most important question. Yeah, I have argued at length that I don't think Grisabella is the right jellical choice. So I want to hear: Do you want to defend Grisabella, or are you going to defend somebody else as your jellical choice? I always thought that she was the right choice because, in my mind, she's like gone through some horrible things and is the outcast of this group and I don't know she sings a really amazing song so like who wouldn't deserve to get to know <laughs> to be reborn again after singing that <laughs> I I I it's clear the more I talk to like cast members that a lot of you have just is like yeah I was, yeah I never thought a different version because it's like you did this for hundreds yeah. of times, you know, you got to right. go on and, and choose her. And then there's right. some who are like, oh, no, especially like a Jelly Lauren was like, like, I'm picking yes. Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah. here's, my, oh, here's my theory for you now. And this is a new thing okay. I hadn't thought about until you talked about earlier. Um, I, I think that there's a you want Grizabella as Demeter because you are on her same path. And since mm -hmm. the heavy side layer is a reward and something that's like desirable as Demeter, mm -hmm. you're following her so much in the sense that like you had your, you know, went off in the cavity, you know, if you, that this might be your future. And so it's like, I want to pick her because when I come back and I have that moment, I don't want to not get picked myself. Yeah, maybe that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. After hearing that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> You're just like, I just, she came back in and she sings it and um, I was fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I also think like, you know, you're taught that like that is the one who was deserving. But I mean, I could see how Gus, because Gus is like such a grandfather of, of everyone, you know, and I could see how he would deserve it. But I don't know. I, I think Isabella was the right choice. Okay. I think she's, in my mind, she's gone through like a, such ups and downs in her life as a cat that she deserves to come back one more time. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. But I do think that <laughs> she should stay for the year and go right. next year. Okay. Spend time with the fam. Okay. Have, have a birthday. I get that. Go to, go to Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know, like, like have, you know, get to do a year's worth of what you've missed and then go next year. Right. All right. Well, maybe in the revival or in the, not the revival, but, you know, the cats part two. <laughs> cats too. I have a lot of. It'll start with her not getting yeah. picked. And being forced to stay for another year and see what happens then. I still think the best cats too is she gets picked, but you get a ghost, ghost of Christmas past version where she goes and sees the impact of her being picked and comes back and decides if she wants to still go. That's oh, my interesting. I think there's a lot, okay. a lot you can do with that as material because then you can play into all of the different unknown relationships that you can take a step further the next night or later on that she can come back uh -huh. and see. 
by her not getting a pick? Like, does Gus make it the next year? Maybe we yeah. have to go to his funeral. Like, does what happens to uh, McCavity? Like, there's a lot uh -huh. of different things you can come back to see with that her decision being made. You're onto something there. The challenge is, I don't know how to write anything musically. I uh, cannot <laughs> choreograph anything and just have a very raw idea that I would love somebody to run with. And if someone there you go. Me, I'll happily consult. It would be an interesting book, interesting. you know, for like those True. people that, you know, you could like go through the whole, these are the different backstories that I've heard of, of cats, which I'm sure a lot of people would be surprised about. And then, you know, this is what would happen if it changed the ending. Yeah. One day. One day. Until yeah. then, I'm going to keep day. having everybody tell me the telephone of cats until we get <laughs> yeah. slightly closer to a definitive answer. I can't wait till episode 400 where it's just all over the place. <laughs> if I'm at 400, I, I have other questions. Um, <laughs> this has been so fun. How can people stay in touch with you, everything else you're doing? Obviously, I'll link the Bad Cinderella stuff, but social media, yeah. they can follow you. Yeah, follow me uh, on Instagram at Robin Masella, just my name. Um, I post a lot of, you know, theater career stuff, and I try to post as much insider backstage things as I can when I'm doing a show. So that's always fun to share with people. Awesome. We'll link everything yeah. there as well. Um, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming on and excited to see you in Bad Cinderella. Yeah, come see us at the Imperial. Amazing. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.